Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today is Sasha DeSola. Born in Winter Park, Florida, DeSola trained at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C. on a full merit scholarship. In 2004, she received an additional scholarship to continue her studies at the Paris Opera Ballet School. At the age of 17, DeSola joined San Francisco Ballet, where she rose through the ranks and was promoted to principal dancer in 2017. DeSola has danced many leading roles with the San Francisco Ballet. She has originated featured roles, including works by Christopher Wielden, Helgi Thomason, and Trey McIntyre. DeSola has appeared as a guest artist in galas around the world and has been awarded numerous trophies in international competitions. On Tiptoes, De Puntitas, written by C.V. Montorubio and illustrated by Gabriela Garcia, is a bilingual children's book based on her life thus far and was released in November of 2018. In November of 2019, DeSola announced the launch of The Ascendant, a charity initiative in collaboration with the San Francisco-based jewelry store, Fiat Lux. Sasha, welcome to the Museum of Dance podcast. We are so excited to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Many of us are considering the role of art, and for Museum of Dance, of course, especially dance, in our lives and in the world right now. Sasha, why do you dance? You know, I think in the world right now, because of COVID, we have been isolated more than ever before. And the reason I dance is to belong to something greater. I think that's the purpose that art, especially dance, serves in the world. I think from an individual level, it can be easy to feel isolated or there's a sense of singularity that that can kind of exist but dance has always kind of taken me out of that and provided me with this incredible community not only amongst other dancers but um this this incredible sensation when you're performing between uh the dancers and the audience it's it's a palpable energy that's completely alive and i feel so grateful that I even get to experience that because I find that that's, those are the moments in my life that I feel the most alive and in the moment. Oh, wonderful. I can relate to that, certainly. So, so that with that feeling, that palpable feeling um, mm-hmm. and how you found dance, we're, we're interested to learn about, you know, this, the, the beginnings of, of where you started to dance. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found it um, when you were a child and perhaps who introduced you to, to its form? Well, um, when I grew up, both of my parents are musicians. So I grew up in a family that very much valued art and especially music. And I would always be performing and dancing at home to my, my family, extended family. I would put on shows for them. However, in my kind of normal social life, I was extremely, extremely shy. I wouldn't talk to anyone. Um, in school, it was really difficult for me to speak up and um, make friends in in a normal social way, I suppose. Um, 
so my mom actually decided to put me into a dance class just because there was a dance studio nearby and she thought maybe that would be an interesting way for me to meet other kids and and kind of explore a different form of expression and I took to it immediately I mean I just fell in love with it right away this physical expression that ha- that wasn't necessarily verbal yet it still communicated so much at least in the in my mind my three-year-old mind um <laughs> uh it just I fell in love with it and I guess the rest is history and now you have such an ability to articulate with words your connection to it <laughs> and, and you've gone from being this shy child to to the the star of a, of a one of the most prestigious uh ballet companies in the world so what, what is it about um, the style of ballet over time that uh, attracted you to this style of dance over others? You know, I started uh, studying many styles of dance. So I, I, most, I went mostly to like a jazz competition studio. Um, so obviously I did jazz, modern, contemporary tap. And once a week we were, we were required to do ballet. And it was immediately the most difficult style for me. It was so precise and exacting and it required so much focus and concentration. And for whatever reason, I guess that like speaks to my personality, I guess, but for whatever reason that was attractive about ballet to me, it was the fact that it was so hard and that I had to, really devote so much energy to it. And um, I was also really intrigued by the structure. You know, in ballet, there's kind of a a concrete syllabus that you follow to to kind of grow and um, eventually, you know, build steps to the point where you're able to complete them with more mastery. And that also was was something that, that I loved. And then finally, the last thing that attracted me to ballet was once I saw a ballet performance live, which was in Orlando, and eventually, which is where I grew up. Um, and then I, eventually I went to New York and saw others. And just the experience of being in the audience, kind of alluding to what I mentioned earlier, that experience was unbelievable for me. It was so moving. Mm. And I knew I had to be a part of it. Mm. Do you remember the feeling of being in the audience at the time and, and uh, the feeling you felt? Was it, were you on the edge of your seat? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I was absolutely on the edge of my seat. I think I saw my first ballet performance at probably seven years old, maybe, or uh-huh. eight. Right. Um, and I was definitely on the edge of my seat. There was, I don't know, there were, I can't even put it into words. There was just something about... First of all, the live aspect of it, there's just like this excitement that that brings. But secondly, it was kind of this congruence of, of the music, the dancers, the audience, the production, the theatrical qualities that I just fell in love with it. I don't, I don't even know how to, <laughs> to express why, but I, I just did. I think you did perfectly. It makes perfect. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Sasha, at just the age of, I think it's in your later part, just, you had just turned 17, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. joined yeah. San Francisco Ballet, which for many of us, if we can think to the age of 17, I think we were maybe at the shopping mall or something, but, <laughs> but the, the amount of um, dedication and training it, it takes to, to reach um, the SFB at that time is, is incredible. So um, we're curious from our side, um, what exactly does a day look like for a young person preparing to audition for a professional ballet company? What was your day-to-day like um, in order to reach this accomplishment? So leading up to that, um, I guess I should go back a little bit. I, at 13 years old, I decided to go to the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C., which is a ballet boarding school. Um, and there were a few reasons I wanted to do that. One, obviously, was to focus on my ballet training. I would have more time. I would have more rigorous training. Um, and two, it it allowed me access to um, incredible teachers, which I feel so lucky to have had trained under the teachers that I did. Um, and also seeing other ballet companies perform at the Kennedy Center, which was very special. But leading up to that, I, I was training about six hours a day, um, six days a week. I would one of the, the the biggest aspects of my training obviously is ballet class and working on technique, but the other aspect was preparing for competitions. And for me, the purpose of competitions were less about, um, I guess, the competitive nature of them, but it was more about uh, preparing for them and discovering your artistry and discovering the way you want to do the steps and what you want to convey when and how. Um, so I basically leading up to San Francisco ballet, sorry, I need to go back there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it is a journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had gone to a couple of competitions, one being uh in Jackson, Mississippi, the USA International Ballet Competition, and then the Varna International Ballet Competition. And I was 16, and I still had one more year of high school. I was just a junior in high school, and I really didn't have plans to join a company at that moment. I fully expected to just go back to school the following year, finish high school, of course, finish my ballet training, and then potentially join a company after that. But I, out of curiosity, I, I had my dad send a couple of DVDs to a few companies that I was really interested in, one of them being San Francisco Ballet. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really expect to hear back, just mostly because I was very young and it was kind of an odd time to audition. It was July. It was kind of late in the audition season. And as soon as I landed back in the United States from Barna, uh, Helgi Thomason, the our artistic director at San Francisco Ballet, called me on the phone to invite me to take class. Oh, um, and that's actually how I ended up joining the company. So he offered me a position oh. with the company. And within about a month, I packed all my things, 
transferred my my education to online schooling and joined San Francisco Ballet. Wow. It was so a so that all sort of changed your the course of your life in a way. Absolutely. Definitely. It I, was completely unexpected, but it absolutely changed the course of my life. How did you know? Did you see the 415 or how did you know how to answer the telephone? <laughs> you know, I don't that's a great question. I never I never answer numbers that I don't recognize. Okay. Um, but for whatever reason, in that moment, I don't know why, maybe I was tired from the flight. I have no idea, but I saw a 415 number and I didn't recognize the area code and I picked it up and expecting it to be a telemarketer. And on the other side, I hear, Sasha, this is Helgi Thomason. <sighs> and I just about, I, I mean, my, like, I felt my stomach in my throat, like my heart just jumped at, at that. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a huge surprise, especially to hear him call me personally also was just a huge surprise. Yes. <laughs> what a wonderful phone call to receive and did, did you commit on the phone that moment or did you have to speak to your parents about the opportunity? I definitely had to speak to my parents about the opportunity and they kind of helped me, you know, when you're at that time I was 16. And so when you're trying to decide if you're going to, you know, take a job as a professional and kind of change your expected trajectory, it's a big decision. So I, I needed a little <laughs> a little help from my parents at the moment, but I knew what I wanted to do. I just needed that support from them. Absolutely. What an amazing um, thing to think about um, for all of us, just that the, the course of your life can change with a phone call. I know. Fascinating. Yeah. Did you feel you missed out on any life events as a result of your training or joining a ballet company at such a young age? Um, I, I know maybe we don't view life this way, but did you do you feel like there are some parts of growing up that you you missed out on? You know, I it's so hard for me to answer that question because I mean, inevitably, yes, I did miss out on certain aspects of quote, normal life. Um, but I never felt that I missed out on it because I was always doing what felt right for me. And I, you know, for example, I never went to, you know, a traditional prom or I don't know, I didn't have time to end up playing sports or have other you know, I didn't have much time on my hands basically because I had all of my time was going to my ballet training, but I don't feel that I missed out on that because I gained experience in other ways. And I feel so grateful that I was able to build these really deep friendships with people. I've been able to travel the world because of ballet that mm -hmm. otherwise I wouldn't have been able to. Mm -hmm. um, I've been able to help my family see a life different than again what was expected and all of those things far outweigh the things that I potentially missed sure. um sure. so so in in that way I don't really feel like I missed out on any life events I, they're just different than than most kids I suppose 
and incredibly enriching. And I think if you perhaps spoke to any high school person about their high school experience, they might say to you that you, you didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. I guess it depends who you talk to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so kind of thinking about this trading and, and as your day-to-day, um, as a child and now as a professional company member, um, we know here at um, a Museum of Dance and helping to articulate to the public audiences about um, dance and the and the process and the training and specifically ballet that it can look um, it's meant to look so ethereal and um, light and also at the same time it's one of the if not the hardest one of the most physically demanding professions and arts of our time. Um, we're, we're hopeful you can explain um, to us and to our audiences what um, a day, a week, a month looks like as a principal ballerina. Sure. So I guess I'll kind of use the pre-COVID life for this because at sure. this moment, things are a bit up in the air. But um, generally, so a day, a day in my life would be, of course, we start every single morning with a ballet class generally starts at 10 AM lasts for an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. And this is the time where we not only warm up our bodies, but we kind of refine our technique. We hone in on things that we might need to work on. Um, And then of course we, we just make sure that our bodies are ready for the rest of the day. Following that um, we have rehearsals. And one of the things that is what I love about San Francisco ballet, but it's also a big challenge is we do this wide variety of repertory. And so we can go from having something extremely classical, such as Landers Etudes to, uh, you know, a Wayne McGregor, super contemporary ballet that requires a completely different use of your body and you have to move in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. So generally we'll rehearse anywhere from one to six different ballets in a day um, over a period of six hours. And then after that on performance days, which generally is, is six days a week uh, between December and May uh, on those performance days, we, we perform for about three hours a night and we wake up and repeat so it's it's pretty exhausting <laughs> um, and definitely physically demanding, emotionally demanding sometimes, uh, all of the above. Um, but of course, there are also periods that are less less strenuous than that. Sure. So it's like running a if you would if you were speaking to somebody who has never taken a ballet class before, but is I, it might be likened to running a marathon every couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's probably true. For example, doing a full-length ballet, as a principal, you don't do every single performance, luckily, because I, it's just not physically possible. It's like, exactly to your point, it's like asking someone to run a marathon every single night. And so the body needs a period of rest to recover. And so then we can kind of perform at our highest levels. Absolutely. Do you, you mentioned that, that um, studying under San Francisco Ballet, in San Francisco Ballet, there's this repertory that's 
um, more contemporary or more modern, or you're asked to do different movement that's not just um, the classical, what we see as classical ballet all the time. Um, do you practice other dance forms still? You had mentioned you started out in the jazz world. Do you take other classes as well, modern or folklorico? Um, and if so, do those in style inform your style of, of ballet currently? You know, currently I don't take any other dance styles as far as uh, going to take classes. Unfortunately, I wish I could and I wish I had the time and the opportunity to do that because one, I think it would be so fun, but secondly, it also informs um, who you are as an artist. But I did have that in my training. Um, I did take folklorico. I took character dance, which definitely is is huge for ballet. Um, and then, of course, as I mentioned, jazz, modern, contemporary. Yes. Um, but my my ult- <laughs> if I had one dream that's unrealized is to be an incredible tap dancer. I just think tap is so fun. It's, 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 yeah, I love it almost as much as I love ballet. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, I love tap. (laughs) Well, it'd be fun fun to see if you could get a choreographer to do a a tap ballet piece at some point. (laughs) That would be so fun. That's the one thing I think I mentioned it to someone. I was like, before my career ends, I just want to do like a tap solo or something at some point. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, that's a good challenge for San Francisco Ballet. Can you pull that together for Sasha? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, I love that idea. I, I'll be first in line to get a ticket. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. I love tap too. It's such a um, whimsical and and uh, but also extremely difficult. Um, oh yeah, tap. yeah. But it's, it's yeah. a lot the loose ankles, I think, at least what I've learned from tap, which is, is a little bit different than the ballet. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's why I actually ended up quitting tap because my ballet teacher told me, she was like, you have to choose either tap or ballet. And there was this kind of, that was my turning point. And it was really hard for me to choose, but I ended up going with ballet. But who knows? I could have been a tap dancer. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. There's lots of lots. Yeah, of I guess not. That's, that's, <laughs> so, um, so, so just thinking about your day to day, my goodness, the physicality and the emotional, um, emotional, physical, um, mental piece of just being in a ballet company and being a professional dancer, we know on the inside, um, but we'd love for our audiences to, to know more about the, the, the challenges that exist. Um, mm-hmm. We'd love to know some of the, what would have been for you the most um, challenging physical, mental, or emotional experiences thus far? I know it's kind of a big order, tall order question, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gosh, quite a few. It's hard to really narrow it down. I think being a ballet dancer is, it's, it's kind of like a 24 seven job, right? You're never really off because let's say you've performed all day. Even when you go home, you need to, you know, get the proper amount of rest, make sure you fuel your body in the best way possible. Uh, I don't know, take care of your body, whether it's, you know, taking an Epsom salts bath or on my days off, I'm generally getting massage or some sort of physical therapy to make sure my body's fine tuned so that I'm able to work at, at my highest ability. So in that way, it's, it's, it's never ending, you know, and that can be, 
tiring sometimes because even when let's say you have a day off, it's not really a day off because you're, you're constantly thinking about that. So from that aspect, uh, it, it can be somewhat draining, but, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I also find that thrilling. I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, physically, I, the things that stand out to me are, are moments. I had one serious injury as a professional and that was obviously took a, a strong physical toll, but even more so it took an even stronger psychological toll I think I think when you're injured and I was injured really unexpectedly I felt completely fine and I just kind of had just a weird moment and a tore ligament and it it causes you to kind of question your identity why you dance do you actually love dancing um it 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 kind of everything that you've kind of built your life on your identity as a dancer as a human all of a sudden in one moment it's completely taken away from you and there's an uncertainty to whether or not you'll be able to come back to that and that's definitely really scary and that taught me a lot I think because one it definitely taught me how grateful I am to be in this art form I ever since that moment, that injury, I have never taken one day in this art form for granted. It's to me, it's a huge, huge privilege Mm -hmm. to be a dancer. And I, I learned, I always knew that, but I really learned that um, when I was injured. That is a, I I think you, your response to that is so lovely. I, I, you know, the, the, to, to see dance as not a, a burden, but a privilege is a wonderful way to, to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I genuinely feel that way. And I know that it, it might sound kind of, I don't know, I don't know, like a canned response, but it's not. I, I really, I, every moment that I go on stage before I go on stage, I practice gratitude right before I go on because it really it's such a special thing. And, you know, another time that that has been enforced for me is now is all of a sudden we have this pandemic, right. And all live performances are cut off. We're not even allowed to go in a studio. We're not allowed to practice except for in our home, which living in San Francisco, my apartment is tiny and I can barely move in there. Um, And it just reinforces the fact that, having a job where I get to explore what it means to be human, what it means to escape from, from our day to day and to connect with people on a really deep level. It's, it's hundred percent without a doubt a privilege and I'll never ever take it for granted. Or so so lucky to have you leading that concept and to be um, 
expressing that language as a lead artist. I think the world really needs that, <laughs> that sense of gratitude yeah. and communication and um, communion really about being human. And um, if your heart speaks to us in the audience, we, we do feel that. So that's so mm-hmm. lovely. Um, so to, to kind of return a little bit more to the, um, the process of the, just the ballet world in general, um, we've, we've been excited to learn you've originated some notable feature roles in the ballet world. And we're curious about what that process is like, the idea of originating a role versus learning a dance that's already been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, some people tend to prefer one to the other and I don't, really prefer one to the other but I will say that it's a completely different process when you interpret a role that has already been created one um you can find inspiration from previous interpretations and two the steps like the the technique of it I suppose is is not super malleable like you're kind of stuck in what has been created um which sometimes those parameters and those boundaries are what I love. You know, it's, it's finding how to make something yours within those parameters. Sure. But when you create a role, there's so much freedom. And of course it depends on the choreographer that you're working with. There are choreographers that are extremely, extremely collaborative. And there are some that have a more clear vision. So it's like a slightly less collaborative effort from from the dancer's perspective, but I do find that there's always some sense of individuality that that comes in creating a role. Like it is uniquely yours and the choreographers because of that time in the studio, that process in the studio. Um, it allows for this kind of experimentation and discovery that that is, it, it just doesn't exist in the same way in when you interpret a role that is already created. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So you're, you beca- you get to be more of the author or the co-author, so to speak of the work and exactly and put your voice in a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so shifting gears a little bit more where we have so many questions for you. We want to make sure we get, <laughs> get to some mm-hmm. of the heart of, heart of some of them. Um, we could go on for hours, but we are, we are trying, um, at the museum of dance to communicate, um, what dance is and what it includes and, um, the history and the, the figures and what it means to be a dancer. Um, and we're curious, um, about sort of the inside out um, from the dancer perspective um, about how you feel maybe society currently sees dance as a whole um, and and perceives ballet as a whole um, based on your experience as a performer and maybe interactions you've had with audience members or friends who are not in the world of dance. Mm-hmm. I think being such an insider, I never feel qualified to to answer this question, but I'll do my best. Um, I think, you know, when speaking with either newcomers to to a ballet performance or people who have gone to, to performances for years, I have always felt that 
there is a way to kind of lift the curtain up on what it is to be a dancer, what you're about to see, the process and all of these things without kind of throwing away the tradition and the mystique of the theater. I think, I think we can achieve both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that generally people are dissuaded from coming to see a ballet performance because they don't really know what to expect. They only know kind of this popular culture idea, which is a little tutu and putting your hands above your head and turning in a circle. And obviously there's so much more to it than that. And I would love to, to find a way to speak to broader audiences beyond just uh, the general demographic of people that are already going to the theater um, to speak to broader audiences and connect with them because ultimately kind of what I touched on earlier, it's about human connection and community. And it's in the same way that you see a piece of art Um, visual art and it speaks to you or you hear a piece of music and it speaks to you the same can happen when you watch dance any form of dance yes and and it can be a transformative experience and I think that's why I love what what you guys are doing at Museum of Dance because it's in order for people to know that one can have that experience you have to educate people right and and without kind of reaching out and allowing people to access the art form, you know, they might never know. And, and so I would love to kind of increase access to, to the art form, especially ballet, which sometimes can be seen as, as elitist. I'd love to kind of break that down a little bit, but still keep a level of mystique and I don't know, this ethereal otherworldly quality that is very special about it. Absolutely. I love, I love that you're naming both of those qualities and that um, it doesn't need to be sort of dumbed down. And yeah, I, this elitism and dance is so fascinating for us on the inside, right? Because dance actually has always um, come from like ballet specifically, the history was to entertain the King's court. So mm-hmm. ballets were never elitist. They were always sort of the, the ones kind of working the hardest, I feel. Um, and then, and then just the, the community that you speak of around dance is, um, is really the kind of one of the sole, um, purposes of dance is to kind of build this sense of community and a language. And mm-hmm. I, I also loved what you touched on, Sasha, about the, that there is um, kind of almost this um, fear of entering a theater because of the unknown of how, how to watch dance or mm-hmm. how you're supposed to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what we're working to do is to encourage that there's no right way to look at it, where there's no right way to look at a painting there's no yep. right way to look at dance that you, you can Absolutely. and just watch and what you feel and what you see is what, what is. Um, exactly. So exactly. I, I love that. I love that. That's exactly what I tell friends who come that are not familiar with ballet or they, maybe it's their first time. Like, what am I looking for? How should I watch it? And that's exactly what I say. There is no right way. Whatever you take from it is completely right. There's, it's it's for you it's your experience it's very uh individual and that's perfectly fine and of course like once you get to know the art form better then you can kind of find things to look for but 
but there's never, there should be no kind of anxiety about that because it's, it is your individual experience and that's what makes it beautiful. And what you like might be different than what someone else likes, but that's the same for, for any art form. Absolutely. So with that said, um, with kind of this, this sense of accessibility, um, and not to put words in your mouth, but do you think there's anything about the current world of ballet that you feel needs, um, revision or reconsideration? Um, yes, I think, especially right now, I mean, like any art form, like anything in life, everything is constantly changing and shifting. And I think ballet is not immune to that, right? We, we have to shift and change with our, with our social climates and um, what audience members feel moved by and are, are inclined to see. That being said, I am for being a dancer, I'm kind of more of a traditionalist in a way. I really value the tradition in ballet. I value this kind of, you know, all of this knowledge that has been passed down pretty much only through word of mouth. Some has been written, but mostly through word of mouth. And I think that's something so beautiful and so special. And in many ways, I, I also want to treasure that and I would love to innovate how people access the art form without completely um, disregarding the tradition of it. Yes. Um, and, and kind of to your point of like not dumbing things down for an audience, even if they're not familiar with ballet, people are, are perceptive, are intelligent and are kind of emotionally attuned to so many different aspects and there's no need to kind of water things down in order for things to feel accessible. It's just about providing that accessibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how you articulate that. I think it's um, because it, it, it offers ballet the respect it deserves in terms of its complexities and um, mm -hmm. its challenges, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's really wonderful. Um, so we know we we know that um, that the world of dance, you know, being a dancer is not the easiest profession. <laughs> Some time with you today. Um, was there ever a time you felt uh, you had mentioned when you had gotten injured, but that you felt like you should just hang up your point shoes and call it quits? Definitely. <laughs> I mean. The answer to that is kind of yes and no, if that makes any sense. So yes, in the sense of there have been many times when I've questioned if I'm doing the right thing, just because there have been these, what felt like insurmountable challenges at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, but also always in the back of my head, I've felt so connected to being a dancer that it's something that I feel like I can never give up even if I wanted to like even once I retire you know there's kind of this saying like once a dancer always a dancer I, I feel like that's so true and uh so yes of course I I think 
numerous times, I would say I've, I've thought, should I, should I keep doing this? Should I keep pushing for this? This is so hard. This is so physically challenging, mentally challenging. Um, why, when I could just go to school or I could just, you know, live a more kind of easy going life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I never did give up because I think it's almost like not a choice for me. I, it's something that I feel that I have to do. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my mentors uh, in my early days of dance told me, she said, watch out because dance chooses you. You don't choose it. It mm-hmm. chooses you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's so true. It's so true. It's yeah. It's like all consuming and it, it's like one of those, it feels I don't know, maybe this is a bit dramatic, but it feels faded. You know, it feels like I didn't really have the choice, even though I I did technically. But I don't know. I just, once I started, I just couldn't stop. Absolutely. And and as you um, as your career unfolds, you are finding other ways to share this form, um, even beyond the classroom and the stage, Sasha. Which is incredible that you're finding the time to do this. Um, we found out about um, a mentorship program that you're involved with, um, actually through your Instagram um, mm-hmm. <laughs> stories. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, it was a really moving short film on your Instagram about um, a. a a young woman, a young lady, who young dancer who you are a mentor to, um, who I believe lives in Central America. Um, yes. We're curious what inspired you to do this work in addition mm-hmm. to your career, and if you could tell us a little bit about this this um, program. Sure. So um, I think one of the things that I guess going back, uh, one of the things that I've always felt strongly about is passing on. I've I've felt very lucky and privileged in my life to be surrounded by people that have inspired me and shared their knowledge with me. And I recognize that responsibility to, to continue that for, for others. So there's a company called point people that approached me after I had taught a masterclass for them. And we did a Q and a session. Um, they, they approached me to potentially be a part of this mentorship idea that they, that they were planning on launching. And immediately I was, it was yes for me because I was trying to figure out ways to connect with younger dancers or, or dancers that I might not have or might not have access to me, I suppose, um, under these kind of COVID rules and, and life. So um, they approached me and and immediately it was a resounding yes. And I got quite a few entries from so many gorgeous, talented young dancers. Um, but this one girl really stood out to me. She's from Guatemala and she, her energy was so pure. Her love of dance was so apparent, is so clear. And she's just a beginner. and um, I knew I, I had to pick her, um, right away when I saw her, her entry, her application. So we've been working together for the last few months and it's been amazing to see her progression. I, I basically teach her on zoom and then, um, we, 
we have kind of like a, I guess you could call it a Q&A, but just chats where she can ask me whatever she wants about the ballet world and um, what it is to be a professional dancer and and even simple things like exercises or mm-hmm. stretches and things like that. And um, it's been really great. So I, I feel very privileged to have that opportunity to work with her because she's really such a joy. She's, it, you know, like seeing a young dancer like that with kind of their whole life ahead of them and um, just head filled with dreams is so inspiring. And it reminds you exactly why you do what you do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been incredible. That's all I can say. It's it, it just, just watching this single moment of her, I believe it's when she received the, the, um, the invitation from you to be mentored, um, mm-hmm. her, the joy, I mean, just the look on her face and the joy she was feeling is just, I mean, it's palpable and I have to admit I teared up. <laughs> oh, I was uh, bawling. <laughs> <laughs> And and you had mentioned, you know, this, this, you, you, your wish to make ballet accessible. I mean, you're doing it just this, this, um, I don't know in the, the technology that allows, right. Um, as Mm -hmm. much as we might all despise zoom at this point, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the ability to connect with her across borders and boundaries and um it's almost like maybe I don't know maybe seeing um yourself in her a little bit um but yeah but it's very exciting to think about what what's unfolding there for her and for really honestly other children across the globe who have this access yeah to I, yeah it's it's all about baby steps I guess as far as accessibility and and yeah I think I think you're probably right. I probably do see myself in her, even though I haven't really put that uh, together in my head. But, but yeah, I think another reason I just wanted to choose her was because most of the applicants were were people that might have access to other professional dancers. But, but this girl, she, you know, she lives in a small town in Guatemala. She goes to the one ballet school that there is there, and um, I think. It, you know, obviously that wasn't the only factor that, that led me to choose her, but it did make me think what an opportunity to be able to use this technology that, as you said, sometimes we all despise it, right? Zoom, but, <laughs> but to be able to use this technology for good and to access, have people access um, information and, and relationships that they otherwise wouldn't be able to pretty much under any other circumstance. So, so why not take advantage of that? Absolutely. And, and to maybe hope someday that perhaps you get to meet her in person too. To think of. Yeah, that, I hope so. I hope so. I'm, I'm sending her, well, I guess I shouldn't say this publicly because she doesn't know this yet, but <laughs> I'm sending her a little care package and um, I, I hope one day once things kind of settle down in the world, that I can go visit as well because I've gotten to know her teacher really well and um, it would be wonderful. And I'm starting to sponsor some of her other students, which um, come from orphanages in the area. And, you know, I, it would be such a, such a pleasure to go and visit and meet her in person. 
Oh, great. I see it in your future. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Um, so as we all know, this year has just carried tremendous challenges for us all in unique and different ways. Um, and you're back in the studio, Sasha, um, rehearsing yes. and as you mentioned yes. earlier, doing even a little partner work, which is great with um, all of the temp checks and everything, of course. But how do you think ballet dance um, is changing now with this climate and pandemic? Do you think its future is different or do you, do you foresee, obviously you're not a fortune teller, but if you could guess maybe what, um, what COVID has done to change the current climate of dance and how you see it might return? Well, I guess, I guess the way I'll answer this is what I hope happens, Um, which, which I hope, and I think will be that, having this time kind of away from the stage and away from performing will kind of reinforce and reiterate to both dancers and audiences how special this art form is and how important it is. I think during the most challenging times in the world, art is more important than ever. It's what unites us. It's what allows us to escape. It's what brings us joy. It allows us to feel and feel alive. And I hope that this time is a period, one, of innovation, two, of almost recentering, I suppose, on, on, on the values that, that we stand for as artists and as arts organizations. And and three, building that community in a different way, even if it has to be virtually, I think we can still do it. Mm-hmm. I think those are all really tangible outcomes. And I um, I love this idea of recentering. And someone had mentioned this, at least for, you know, for people who have lost family members, I don't know that they would call it this exactly, but yeah, big pause, right? The opportunity yeah. is just pause and... and Never ever in our lives have we had to think about things so much or better or for worse. Definitely, definitely. Tons of reflection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we are very hopeful to see you on the stage again. Oh my goodness, what a treat that's going to be. And um, um, to, to think of you back in the studio is also um, recentering and, and um, grounding, I think. Yeah. I also love to, to watch dance and, and see you perform. So we're so grateful to spend this time talking with you, Sasha. Thank you for joining oh, us. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Hillary. It was just such a pleasure to speak with you. And I, as I mentioned, I think what you're doing with Museum of Dance is incredible. And I love, I, I, I hope that um, people get to understand how special dance is um, on an even deeper level through through all of your podcasts. Thank you. We so appreciate that. And we're we're really excited to to bring dance more into the public eye and to also offer dancers another anchor for their voices and communi- and communing together and sharing sharing their life work. So thank you for that. And we look forward to seeing you on the stage again, hopefully very soon. 
Yes, I hope so. <laughs> so thanks again. Thank you. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.